Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping moms ditch perfection and find peace through planning. This is episode 53, How to Plan Healthy and Balanced Meals. Hey everyone, I'm so excited to be back with you after uh, this little podcast break. I'm feeling rejuvenated and ready to bring you all of my best topics for the next year. So thank you so much for your patience as you waited for um, new episodes and thanks for following along and being part of this journey. All right, so today's episode, like I said, is all about how we can plan healthy and balanced meals. So when it comes to meal planning in general, there's just a lot of things that can keep us stuck. So maybe you've got a good system going already, but then suddenly someone tells you about how horrible those processed foods you've been using are for you or something of the sort and you decide to start at square one. Or maybe you read that article about the Whole30 diet and decide you really shouldn't be eating dairy anymore. Only two weeks later to find out you shouldn't be eating fruit because it has too much sugar. And a few months after that, you find out you were wrong about the Whole30 thing because dairy's fine, fruit is fine, but meat, that, that is the enemy. Oh, and every processed thing you're feeding your kids, you know the only foods that they actually eat, those are the worst and they're going to kill everyone, like yesterday. But if not yesterday, then tomorrow, for sure. So, okay, obviously I'm being a little dramatic here, but the truth stands. Today's world is full of conflicting health and nutrition messages. And even if you aren't being bombarded by health and nutrition messages, which let's face it, you are, the food police that live in your own mind are probably constantly sowing doubt in your mind about your meal planning as well. You may have thoughts like, if I cooked from scratch, I could probably lose those last five pounds, or uh, my kids would probably really behave better if they didn't eat so much sugar. The food police are very real, and while sometimes they do exist in other people, most of the times they most of the time they exist the strongest in our very own mind. So, what role do the food police and this demonizing of food? What does that? So what role does the food police or demonizing foods play in meal planning? Why am I choosing to talk about this before we get into balanced meal planning? So like I said, it's no wonder that meal planning can feel so daunting. Putting together a meal really isn't rocket science, but when your mind is clouded by all of these thoughts, in addition to worrying about how am I going to get my kids slash family to actually eat this or How am I going to even have time to prepare these meals that I'm planning? Suddenly meal planning feels really, really daunting. So my goal with this episode is to unpack some of these mindsets that are keeping you stuck first. And only after we've done that, will I introduce you to my foolproof meal template for meal and snack planning. It's super simple, but it honestly won't be effective until you've made some mindset shifts and you're ready to let go of a lot of these thoughts or messages that are keeping you stuck. So let's start with one of my soapboxes. The question here is what does healthy, put air quotes around that if you couldn't tell, even mean? So like I said, this is a huge soapbox of mine, so hold tight. Uh, Can we talk about how we all just throw this word around constantly, but it actually means something completely different to everyone. 
In the introduction to this episode, we went over a lot of the different thoughts that you might have about healthy eating, and there are about 100,000 more that I could have gone over. Even the Merriam-Webster Dictionary has four different definitions of the word healthy, and I want to talk about a few of those as we kind of talk about what this word means. So the first definition of healthy is free from disease. So this brings me to a point that we are all different and our bodies all have different needs. Some of us are not, in fact, free from disease. And so for these people, what foods are healthy might look a little bit different than what would be a healthy food for you and me, because people with, say, celiac disease would need to refrain from eating gluten to remain healthy by this definition, to remain free from disease or at least free from symptoms of this disease, whereas the rest of us are free from disease whether or not we consume gluten. There are a lot of other examples, of course, but that was an easy one. So by this definition, we cannot define a healthy food in the same way for every person. That's just not accurate. Another definition of healthy by Merriam-Webster that I like even better is beneficial to one's physical, mental, or emotional state, conducive or associated with good health or reduced risk of disease. So any food or product that is beneficial to health would fall into this definition. What I like most about this definition is that it considers your whole entire health, including your mental and emotional health. For some reason, when we talk about healthy, most often we're really isolating that physical health, which is one of only the three different parts of health. So foods or products that are healthy physically might not always be healthy. And it's even more important to point out that many people out there who might be very disciplined about their healthy diets, but their mindset is not in a healthy place. So they're not healthy no matter what their diet looks like. So the truth is we must have a balance in our diet of foods that are physically healthy as well as emotionally or mentally healthy. This really reminds me of another podcast I have where I go into all the reasons that we eat that have absolutely nothing to do with nutrition. So if that interests you, I'll drop a link to that podcast in the show notes. But to paraphrase, a healthy diet looks like one with plenty of foods to fuel our bodies, but also a night out with friends to enjoy ice cream or another favorite treat to treat our mental health and some of our favorite comfort foods for when our emotional health is in need of some TLC. Okay, so before we move on, I want to go over one more definition of healthy from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which is not small or feeble. Now, in all fairness, this definition is generally used when describing an object, as in a healthy sum of money, but I do think it's really interesting that we are constantly being sold the idea that being healthy is avoiding food and withering away so that we barely exist. As a woman, I refuse to be told that I need to restrict food until I no longer exist. I am not here for it. So I want to be a, quote, healthy woman in all definitions of the word, and I hope that you want to join me on that quest. So now that we know the definition of healthy, let's get back into meal planning. When we are creating a meal plan, we need to create a plan that benefits our physical, mental, and emotional health, like we said, right? Okay, cool. We can do that, but not so fast. We are not talking only about food here. If we were just talking about food, that would be easy. Create a meal plan that's mostly grains and vegetables, maybe add a small dessert for our emotional slash mental health a couple of times a week and call it good. 
but there's more than that. In order to create a healthy meal plan, we have to consider how the meal plan itself is going to affect our physical, mental, and emotional health. So is our meal plan doable? Does it fit into our life and schedule? Is it overly time-consuming? Will the people in our life who we are feeding even like it? What this means is that on a given night, takeout might be the healthiest option. Because if takeout allows you to be fed, a necessary part of being healthy, and doesn't cause your stress levels to go through the roof, then it's the option that takes all aspects of health into consideration. Our goal here is to create a meal plan that meets all aspects of our health. We don't want to forget about physical health because it is indeed one of the pillars of good health, but we do want to consider all of them. So what are some ways that we can do this with our meal plans? I've got four ways for you, and then we'll be ready to dig into my simple template for meal planning. The first thing is to remember to be considerate, but not catering. A few weeks back, we talked a lot about this. Again, I'll drop that episode in the show notes. If you missed the episode, it's the one about feeding your entire family the same meal. Anyway, being considerate but not catering means that you consider the needs of everyone in your family and then accommodate them only in a way that doesn't make more work for you or require you to meet their constant demand. So being considerate would be including something you know your kids would like at every meal, while catering would be making them their own meal every night after they throw a fit about what you've chosen to serve. Make sense? Okay, so the point here, a healthy meal plan for your family is one that everyone can reasonably live with. There's something that everyone can eat and also some things that are healthy for your body that your kids can practice trying. Your boundaries are important too. A healthy meal plan is one that allows you to sit down at mealtime and eat and not run endless errands for your children after the meal has already begun. Okay, number two is a word on sugar, butter, oil, or any other demonized foods here. We're digging back into the food police here again, but if you can help your family or yourself eat things that are physically healthy, using things that are typically demonized like butter, salt, sugar, then do it. Food is not healthy until it's eaten, and if you will eat your vegetables with some teriyaki sauce or butter, do it. This is a great way to make the physically healthy things manageable mentally for you and your kids. If you have specific health concerns or weight concerns, you can taper off of these things slowly, but if you're eating zero vegetables, remember, Done is better than perfect. Some is better than none. Eat the vegetables the way you like them and you can slowly change it up as your taste buds evolve and you become more used to these kinds of things. Number three, no food rules. So as I'm about to introduce a guide for creating healthy meals, I need to put this little caveat in that a healthy meal plan or food philosophy does not include food rules does not include food rules. So even as I introduce this template, please remember that it's a guide. Food rules just introduce the food police back into your life. In reality, you will have dinners with no vegetables. You will have meals that are lower in protein. It's okay. Stick to the guide to help give you the peace of mind that everyone is getting what they need, but don't stress the times that it's not perfect and don't let it become another version of the food police in your life. Things vary, that's life. All right, number four is to use shortcuts and helps as necessary and to create your own shortcuts and helps as you can. 
meaning use meal prep to help out, use prepackaged things that fit into your food philosophy as you need to. Not everything has to be perfect or from scratch. Find the little shortcuts that will help this actually happen. One last word before I share the guide. Seriously, this is the last thing I promise. You might wonder why you should even have a guide or a template if you aren't supposed to have food rules. This is a good question. In my opinion, a template is amazing because it takes a lot of the thought and decision-making out of the equation. Um, I also have an episode of the podcast on decision fatigue that I'll drop in the show notes. And decision fatigue plays a huge role in the life of moms. And it's not a fun place to be when you're feeling it. So if you want to learn more about that, listen to the episode. But the point here is that having a template or guide can help you when you want to plan quickly and you don't want to have to think so much about the meal planning process. So use the template when it's useful, when it's not, when it's takeout night, or when you just aren't feeling it, don't. Okay? Okay, so let's dig into the template. Let's start out by defining the three different food groups that we will be using to create your meal plan using this formula or template. So you might be thinking, but there's way more than three food groups and you're totally right. And to be honest, grouping foods into categories is actually an extremely difficult process and it really can't be done perfectly, which is why we're keeping it simple. We're keeping it to three groups and we're not stressing about it. So the three food groups are proteins, carbohydrates, and fruits and vegetables. So your protein group is going to include meats, fish, nuts, legumes, Greek yogurt, eggs, and some cheeses could fall into this category as well. Your carbohydrate group is going to include your bread, rice, pasta, any sugary foods, potatoes, sweet potatoes, and others as well. Fruits and vegetables, I'm hoping, are pretty self-explanatory. Okay, so as we've gone over this, you might already be thinking things like, but isn't an apple also a carbohydrate? And the answer is yes, but remember what I said, this is not perfect. An apple is a carbohydrate and it's also a fruit. Don't sweat it. I know the system's not perfect. Just choose which group you want to put it in as we get into the meal planning and it's no big deal. Uh, You also might be wondering why there's no dairy groups. So the USDA recommends three servings of dairy per day. So why is it not included in this balanced meal planning template? Uh, The reason for this is twofold. The first is that we get dairy in so many ways. We'll have a little cheese on our eggs or yogurt in our smoothies, milk in that creamy soup we make for dinner. I found that most people don't struggle fitting dairy in through the day, so it's not included as its own group. But some of those high-protein dairy foods can count as a protein if you choose to. The second reason that I don't include dairy is because of the high numbers of people who can't enjoy dairy due to allergies, intolerances, or even their belief systems. So it's more inclusive to simply just leave this part out. All right. The last thing we need to chat about before we dig into this actual template is protein. So you might wonder how much protein do we actually need? And there's a lot of varying opinions on this, but Most American diets are high in carbohydrates and fats and lower in protein. An easy way to estimate how much protein you need, and remember, needs are going to vary greatly depending on things like your activity level, 
your lifestyle, or even different disease states that you might have. So this is just a rule of thumb, but you're going to want to plan on about one gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. And since most of my listeners don't weigh themselves in kilograms, this translates to roughly half of your body weight. So as an example, for me at 135 pounds, I need about 67.5 grams of protein per day. Another quick note, I work out and lift weights regularly, so I actually aim for closer to 90 grams, but for maintenance, that 67.5 grams would be sufficient. Okay, so the whole point of bringing up that technical stuff is because many of us think we are eating plenty of protein because we are eating cheese, nuts, peanut butter, etc. throughout the day for protein, but many of the foods that we've been taught are high in protein are actually even higher in fat say peanut butter, for example. So it's actually hard to eat enough protein if we're focused solely on these types of foods. That's not to say these foods are bad or that they shouldn't be included in your diet. No food rules, remember, but we do need to at least chat about lean proteins. So this whole conversation we're having is the reason why there's so much talk about lean proteins. And you've probably heard that term before. Protein and fat tend to come together, and while we do need fat, we don't need a lot of it, so if you focus on getting most of your proteins from lean protein sources, you'll be able to fit as much protein you need into the day without overdoing it on fat. Uh, Some popular lean proteins out there are chicken breasts, cottage cheese, plain Greek yogurt, tofu, lean ground beef, ground turkey, skim milk, pork loin, beans and legumes, and shrimp. And there's, of course, others. As a general rule of thumb, I try to get 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal and 10 to 15 grams for a snack. This is not something I track, so don't get obsessive about this, but I will occasionally check nutrition facts as I'm meal planning just to be sure that we're meeting our needs as a family most of the time. Remember that these recommendations are based on my body size and activity level, and it's going to vary slightly for everyone. All right. Again, sorry that that part was a little bit technical, but I want you to understand why this template and system is set up the way that it is as we dig into it. So back to those three food groups that we'll be choosing from. We'll be choosing from proteins, carbohydrates, and fruits and vegetables. Now for the template. It's very simple. So for every meal, I try to choose two servings of fruits and vegetables, one serving of protein, and one serving of carbohydrate. So let's go over an example of what this would look like in real meals. We're gonna actually go through an entire day of meals that follow this template. So for breakfast, maybe you choose to eat a smoothie, and in that smoothie you have a serving of spinach, and a serving of fruit, so that would cover your fruits and veggies. You'll use Greek yogurt and maybe even some protein powder as your protein. And on the side, you'll have a whole wheat muffin or a piece of whole grain toast for that carbohydrate. Next, we'll go into lunch. So lunch might look like a salad that has two servings of veggies in it and maybe a turkey sandwich, which would include a carb in the bread and a protein. Note here that any extra veggies are always welcomed and not penalized, so feel free to load up that turkey sandwich with veggies as well, of course. 
All right, for dinner, let's say you're gonna have a stir fry. You'll have two servings of stir fried veggies, one serving of rice for your carbohydrate and a serving of teriyaki chicken for your protein. So one thing that I hope you realize as you listen to this meal plan is that this is a pretty standard, I would say, way of eating. And it's not scary. I think a lot of times when people think about eating more balanced meals or healthier meals, they feel like, you know, they're going to have to change everything about how they're eating. And that's really not the case here. Most of the time, our problems have to do with the proportions of food that we're eating. So we might have eaten a stir fry, but that stir fry was more rice and less veggies. Same with that lunch. Maybe you would have had a turkey sandwich, but you would have had chips on the side or something, which is not necessarily bad, but it's just less balanced. So you really can eat any way that you want to and have it be balanced as long as you are, funny word, balancing out anything that you're eating with the other things that you need. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay, so let's dig into the template for planning snacks. So what should your snacks look like? For snacks, I simply choose one serving from two of the food groups. So I would choose a protein and a fruit or veggie or a protein and a carb or a fruit and veggie and a carb. I do most often try to choose a combo of protein and fruit or vegetable. And that's just because I personally find that I'm never struggling to get enough carbs, but I do struggle sometimes to get enough protein or to get enough of my fruits and vegetables in. So there's no right or wrong here. If I did need a quick burst of energy, I would probably choose a carbohydrate paired with a protein to give me that satiating feeling from the protein and a quick burst of energy from the carb. But generally speaking, my favorite combo is that protein and fruit or vegetable to make sure I'm getting that all in in my day. Okay, so let's see what snacks might look like in real life. So you might choose veggies with a cottage cheese dip. You might choose apples and peanut butter or even a cookie with a low-fat string cheese. See how we're kind of balancing there? We're not demonizing the cookie. We're not saying that it's wrong, but we know that a cookie's not going to make us feel the same way as a balanced snack would, so we balance it out with some protein to help us feel better for longer. I hope that makes sense. That's a wrap on the template for balanced meal planning. I know that there was a lot of stuff to listen to in this episode to get to something so simple, but I promise that unpacking those mindsets that we did in the beginning is the only way that you would accept this simple balanced meal planning formula. So I challenge you to try this out tomorrow. Don't make new crazy meals, but try to just balance out the things that you're already eating and see how that makes you feel. See if you start to feel a little bit more energized or a little bit better throughout the day. I think you'll find that you really like this. I bet you'll find that it's a simple way for you to just check to see that you're getting the things that you need to keep you an energized, happy, fun mom. Okay, so next week, we are going to be talking about HelloFresh. I tried out this box meal delivery service for you, and you'll get to find out next week exactly what I thought about it. 
I had a lot of interest in this topic on Instagram when I teased it a few weeks back, and now I'm ready to answer all of your burning questions. Thank you for listening, friends. If you like this podcast, share it. Make sure you're subscribed. Leave me a review. I love hearing from you. I am excited to be back next week. And until then, happy planning.